The Advent season is here. The Advent season is a time of restlessness, but also anticipation, and eventually joy as we celebrate the coming of our Messiah, Jesus Christ, and we eagerly await His second coming. It's too easy to just fall into the trap of doing the same things we do every year. It's also easy to fall into the trap of saying, yeah, 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 I know Jesus came to the earth as a baby. It's very easy to say those things. But for months prior to the start of this season, we are overwhelmed with advertisements and stores full of decorations reminding us that the Christmas holiday is fast approaching. Now we have shopping days on Thanksgiving rather than the morning after Thanksgiving. And we begin to feel the stress. I don't know about you, but when I go to a store and I start to see Christmas decorations and Christmas product in the store, it, it, you're kind of excited, right? Christmas is here. But at the same time, you're like, oh, no, everything is about to start. And it seems like... Everything just starts earlier. You wait and see. At the, at the end of December, Valentine's Day product will be out. It's just they want to sell that stuff, and I understand that. But uh, we get overwhelmed with the advertisements and stores full of decorations reminding us that the Christmas holiday is fast approaching. We begin to feel the stress of buying that perfect gift for someone, or maybe a lot of little gifts. For a lot of people. But either way. The world doesn't truly tell us. To be ready for the birth of the king. The world tells us to be ready. To buy stuff. And then after you buy stuff. You need to buy even more stuff. And if you want to buy stuff today. That's okay. We'll lay it away for you. Pay a little bit now. And just as you go. I mean, When Christmas gets here. You'll be fine. Hey we're here to help you out. That's like I love it. If you ever do QVC shopping. You know what they call them? Five easy payments. Boy, they are so easy. I mean, whether they're easy or hard, it doesn't matter. It's still coming out of your account, right? But my prayer is, is that our focus on the Advent season will change a little bit of that. Uh, I, I must say I was a little moved to, or not a little, a lot moved uh, to see Ford come in this morning uh, with us celebrating the birth of of our Christ as an infant and seeing that little man in here is such an answer prayer. And, and I know that y'all are grateful too for how the Lord has done. And so I don't mean to put you on the spot. It's just, uh, it's just great to see him and y'all here. So anyway, back to the message. One of my favorite songs to sing in the choir is the hallelujah chorus. And don't worry, I'm not going to break out into it right now because, uh, when you do it with one person, it's kind of weird, but when you have a lot of voices together. It's really cool. And I remember when I was at Charleston Southern University, the choral director, that was his thing. Every year uh, at Christmas, he would put on the Handel's Messiah. And so got to sing in that and be the high tenor lines and that. Man, it's an exciting piece to sing. But other than the notes and other than the complexity of what Handel had put together in his Messiah of the Hallelujah Chorus, it's the words, folks. It's the words. It says, the kingdom of the world is become, and the kingdom of our Lord. And He is Christ, and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Matter of fact, let's say it again, and He shall reign forever and ever. 
He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And He shall reign forever and ever. He is the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, i got to tell you, my heart fills with awe and excitement for Christ. When I, I hear this and I, and I think about the fact that He came to earth to be with us. The big word for today is incarnation. Incarnation. God incarnate. Which means God came to this world in human flesh. In the form of His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's just, it blows my mind that, that Jesus our Savior came to this earth in the form of an infant to be raised like us. To live like us, to be tried like us, to be killed by us, and to be ascended into heaven, and then again return for us. We celebrate the first advent of Christ today, but my friend, we can also, as a church, celebrate the second advent of when the sky is going to split, and He is not going to be coming back as an infant, but as a warrior and as a king. Taking his church and his bride to where he is. But it's important, as we look at Isaiah 9 today, it's important that that this was part of Isaiah's prophecy in a period where there was much darkness. And without going into a whole lot of detail, for years before this prophecy, King Uzziah led Israel and he was known as a good king. And then we had his son Jotham that led, which he was known He was considered to be a good king. But then along came Uzziah's grandson, Jotham's son. And he became king. His name was Ahaz. And he was regarded as, if you've ever read the Old Testament and you've read about the different kings, they were either good, meaning they followed the Lord, or they were bad. And Ahaz was a bad boy. He did not follow the Lord. He was rebellious. And he was considered a bad king. And in the midst of their darkness, Isaiah was foretelling them about the hope that would be found in the coming of a child to this earth who would initially and fully become our eternal king. Amen. Well, as we look at the passage, let's see that the first thing that we can find is that hope is found in what Christ delivers us from. Hope is found in what Christ has delivered us from. If any of you can remember what your life was like before Christ, or even if you were saved at a young age and you've always considered yourself a Christian, and think about the things that He's either delivered you from or taken you out of. The the things that we find hope in are the things where God has rescued us. And we see in this prophecy that Christ delivers us from evil. Now this is written intentionally for the Israel for for God's chosen people. And we, we enjoy the benefit of that today because of what Christ did on the cross. But as we read this in chapter 9, starting in verse 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Talking about the reign of Ahaz and what he's doing to oppress the Israelites. The land of Zebulun and Tali will be humbled But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Now that that tore all over the Israelites because Galilee was known as a place for the Gentiles, the half-breeds, the racism 
takes place in this prophecy. But Isaiah doesn't care about racism. The Bible doesn't care about racism. Matter of fact, it fights racism. And it says, you, you think that you are special, but listen, God is going to save the Jews that want him, but also the Gentiles that come to him as well. And it says in verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. I had the privilege of going to uh, the senior adult breakfast Saturday, from which I am still full. And uh, they have a thing where they, they give out door prizes and stuff. And, and I was lucky to win. It's not gambling. You know, we didn't put any money on it. But we did have tickets, all right? You had to take a ticket. But anyway, I got my name called. Man, I got this flashlight. And I thought, man, I needed one of these little flashlights. So I made the, the, the bright decision to unpack it, to, to open it up last night. And I shined it at Donna and it got her right in the face. And she was not happy. Because that is a bright light. She said, what is your problem? I said, I, I didn't know it was that bright. So anyway, she said, now i got to see blue stars for an hour. But you know what? That light is bright. And I am going to use it when I am in dark places. And I think about that. I think about this passage in my life when I was surrounded by the darkness of my sin. I think about the people that I see every day that are surrounded by darkness. I think of the darkness that I read on my news feed. And y'all see in your papers and the things, if you just take the front page of any news site or the front page of your newspaper and you look at it, you can see story after story, darkness, 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 murders, rapes, drugs, car accidents, DUIs, one after the other, people living in darkness. They needed a light to shine in the midst of this darkness. And my friend, we celebrate a light today. That has come and shining in the darkness. And it says in verse 3. You will enlarge the nation of Israel. And people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you. As people rejoice at the harvest. And like warriors dividing plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery. Oh that's going. Ooh I'm getting excited about that. For you will break the yoke of their slavery. And lift. Lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. If you've ever carried a heavy burden that's been lifted, you can feel the emotion that I feel in that verse. It says, you will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the armor of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned, all be burned, and they will be fuel for the fire. What we see is hope is found in the light of the Messiah, and darkness surrounds us. We also say, why do you think dark times are necessary? Why doesn't God just make everything perfect? We need dark times. And I, and I gave you a few reasons up here. The first reason we need to have dark times in our world, the reasons we need to go through dark times is, number one, it is in the darkness where you see the light most clearly. Now, I mean, I've been in cities, and I would consider Anderson a city, and, and even bigger cities, when you look up, you can see the star, but my friends, when you get out into the country of Star or Belton or all those other places, and you look around and there's nothing around but cows, and you look up in the sky and those lights are just beaming. 
was talking to a friend the other day. She was talking about how when she takes the dog out, she has worship. Because all she does is she looks up in the star, in the sky, and sees the stars. Folks, when times are dark, that's when the light shines the brightest. So to see our need for Christ, that's why we go through dark times. To not take Christ for granted is one reason we go through dark times. Number three, to learn to trust Christ more. I haven't learned to trust Christ when I'm on the mountaintops. It's when I'm in the valleys, when I can't operate on my own. And I say, God, I cannot do it. If it's going to happen, you're going to do it. Those times where you depend and trust on him. And then the fourth thing, to be rescued and led by him when we are lost to our own devices. If you've been ever, ever been rescued from anything, you know the value in that. If you've ever rescued somebody and you see the trust and the hope in their eyes as you lead them, it is an amazing thing. I'm telling you what, dark times are a part of life. But he is the light and he has come. And it says in the second half of verse 2 that we will see a great light. Verse 2 refers to Christ's first advent. And then in verse 3 we see the second advent. If you go over to John 1, 4 through 5, it says, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never, never extinguish it. Go ahead, take the Ten Commandments out of our court. Go ahead and take prayers out of school. Go ahead and kill people for their belief and being a Christian and following Jesus Christ. But you will not ever, never, no way fully extinguish the light of Christ. Because of Him coming to this earth. And being God incarnate. God with us. Aren't Christmas lights one of the most beautiful but frustrating things you, there are? Let me ask you, let's take a, a straw poll here. How many of y'all... Wrap up your lights and reuse them each year. Okay? A majority of you. Anybody here be honest enough to say, no, I just buy a new set every year? Wow. We got some liars in here. <laughs> no. no. I, I mean, I, okay, better yet. Everybody says, okay, we use the same ones. But has anybody been able to go one year to the next without at least having to buy one pack? If you are, then you are blessed, my friend. But you know, as we approach Advent, let me just throw this out here. We know, hey, we know that lights are, are pretty on trees, and we, we think of uh, Santa Claus, and we think of, of all our Christmas traditions. But what if we decided today, because of Advent, and because of what Christ has done by bringing light into a dark world, what if we look at these beautiful lights, and it reminds us, of the light of Christ that came into this dark world. Folks, I will never look at another Christmas light the same way again. Because these lights signify what my Jesus did for me. Of a light coming into a dark world. And we see in verses 4 and 5 that hope is found in his defense of us. The, the darkness referenced here is the shadow of the sin of death. 
This is the darkness that every one of us must travel. All of us are born in sin because of the fall of man in Genesis. So this is the darkness that we are all surrounded of. And it says in this passage, this prophetic passage of what the Messiah is going to do, it says that the yoke of sin's burden will be taken off of our backs. We will no longer be a slave to sin. My friend, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you sin, it is because you choose to. Because we are no longer enslaved to our sinful nature. To those that don't know Christ, they have no hope. They have no light. They don't know any better. But what's worse is believers do. And they still sin. For all sin and fall short of the glory of God. I don't preach that as someone who is perfect. I preach as someone who is practicing what he is saying. The second thing that we see is hope is found in the majesty of Jesus Christ. Verses 6 through the, the first half of 7 says this. And you'll recognize this one. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders and will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. A child is born. A son is given. A child is born. The supernatural divinity of God impregnating a human in Mary without even touching her. It is a supernatural combined with a, it's a divine and human all in one. God's moving in Mary's life, Mary becoming pregnant and Jesus becoming the son of God from the very beginning when he was conceived. He was a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man. And in that moment when he is on the cross, allowing people to ridicule him, to mock him, and to kill him, he is still 100% God and 100% man. For us, a child is born. To Mary, a child was born. But to God, a son was given. I cannot imagine what it would take for a parent to give the life of their son for someone that wouldn't even appreciate it. Let that sink in this advent. For unto us a child is born, but a son is given. It says in 1 Peter Verses 18 and 19 of chapter 1. I put it on the screen there for you. It says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. A son was given, paid as a ransom. John 3.16 For this is how God loved the world. He gave His. Remember, 
We, we talk a lot about the end part of that verse. But today, in Advent, a child is born, a son is given. The prophesy, a prophecy of what is to happen, it says that God gave His, offered His Son, only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Then we see the words wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor means that he is all loving. Wonderful counselor means he is all loving. This does not mean that he needed counseling. He didn't say, oh my goodness, this is tough disciples. What do you think I ought to do about this? Never did he need counseling. He is the counselor. And then mighty God means he is all powerful. Folks, there is no ruler of this world or in the spiritual world that is greater than God. There are men and women on this earth that think that they are above God. For a man or woman to say there is no God is to put themselves ahead of Him. And my friend, I'm telling you what, they will be broken and humbled and destroyed one day because there is only one Almighty God. And that is Yahweh. That is the God of creation. Your God and my God. And God is all-powerful. Then it says, Everlasting Father, folks. He is the Creator of all things. So, by the, the fact that He is the Everlasting Father, what I want you to see is that God created our need for a Father. As a former youth pastor, I have seen what happens when a father is absent in a child's life. Some of you, in your families, you have seen what has happened with the absence of a father. Gangs that are out, that have been around for ages, are because men dropped the ball. And then there are some in here that didn't have any choice about it. Some of you, your father might have left before you knew him, or, or at some point growing up. Some of you in here lost your father because of death. Growing up. I understand that. But, but God says I will be a father to the fatherless. What does that mean? That means that God created in you the need to have a father. Also, God will be our provider. He will give us what we need. And then God will be our protector. God will be our protector. I think of Romans 8.31. That says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, finish it for me. Who can be against us? No one can. And then we see in the second half of seven, it says this. It says, he will rule with fairness from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord's heaven's armies will make this happened. His government and his peace will never end. Let me just go ahead and tell you this. Jesus' reign does not need a vote. Jesus' reign does not need a lobbyist. Jesus' reign could care less about opinion polls. Jesus' reign doesn't need kickbacks. Jesus' reign doesn't need political favors. 
There are so many people in this world that think they have power. And yes, they may have worldly power, but when Jesus establishes his reign, they will have nothing. Jesus will bring order to chaos and light to darkness and death and life. I know many of you that have lived longer than I have, you've been through times a whole lot worse than than what we're going through. A lot of us have the, they call us snowflakes because we we can't handle things. Some of you have, have been through depressions. You've been through wars. You've been through rations. You've been through so, so much. But yet, to every generation, whatever they're going through, it seems like it's its worst. And as crazy as this world is, my friend, Jesus will bring order to chaos. That is what we celebrate for Advent. He will rule with fairness and justice, and he is from the throne of his ancestor David. This passionate commitment of heaven's armies will make it happen, not only for the first Advent, as we saw heaven orchestrate his coming, but heaven will also orchestrate his second coming. And then finally, the hope of Christmas is found in the Advent of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Before Jesus, and it, it, this is kind of like a, something I knew, but it kind of it kind of struck me for a moment. Up until this point, up until Advent, up until the arrival of Jesus Christ, our our well, not our, but the the Israelites' form of of worshiping the Lord had become religious. It had become more about not what God did for you, but what you could do for Him. If you do certain things to your body, if you eat certain things and not other certain things, and if you give a certain amount of money to the temple, and if, if you get forgiveness of sins and this, and if you do this, and if you do that, I know so many people that they try their best to get closer to God by doing things. And then because of Advent, they don't realize it's not about what you do for God, it's about what He has done for you. It is a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But before Jesus, all Israel had was religion. They had no hope and they had no joy. If you read your your Christmas devotional, I I love this part on on December 1st devotion. It says, I love how the first day of Advent devotion put it. There are 47 names listed in Matthew chapter 1. For the genealogy of Jesus. I know a lot of you look at Matthew 1. And they say. I can't pronounce these names. And you go on. Let me get to the good stuff. But let me tell you something. In that genealogy in Matthew 1. There is some good stuff. Some of those names in there are great. And some of those names in that genealogy are not so great. You have paupers to princes. You have shepherds to slaves. You have kings to harlots. And you have all of these things spanning 21 centuries of human experience. And the list ends in a stable on a starlit night with the name that is above every name. Jesus. 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 
You and I are in his forever family. With that list of genealogy, if you are in Christ, you are in that list. So in today's prophecy, we find that God had a plan to rescue us from the very beginning of time. Remember, this is foretelling what is to come. So today, we celebrate the royalty of Jesus Christ and the advent of his coming to this earth. And it is my prayer that every one of you in here know him as your Savior and Lord. Because that is the very reason he came. That is why we are here. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, we're going to give you an opportunity to come forward. Pray with me and we will guide you and disciple you in what it means to be a believer. If you'd like to join this church, we can help you with that as well. Or maybe you just want to come to the altar or pray where you are, wherever it may be. This invitation is for you to respond. Would you please stand?